Hey everyone, this is Samantha. I just want to let you know that there might be some triggering material that we talk about in today's episode. We're going to be discussing healthy relationships and trauma and what they look like together and separate and all that jazz. So if this will be triggering for you, please pass on this episode and we'll see you next time. I got married at 25 and sometimes, not not so much lately because I'm, I'm very blessed to be where I am right now with my relationship, but like I still think about like, did I have a whole day? Should I have had a whole, a whole day? I mean a whole, <laughs> what is it? A whole phase? Um, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? What are we talking like, about here? But you know what I'm saying? Like I think oh. about the single dumb too where it's like, do I miss it? Like, did I have a whole time? You know, did I need one? Did I like go too fast? As podcast fans, Kristen Madison and Samantha Hugan enjoy listening to the wild tales and adventures of others, learning more about the world around them. However, both secretly wanted to join in on the conversation. It wasn't until one fateful day when they discovered they both wanted the same thing. They wanted to be right. One of Us is Right is a podcast where guests and hosts discuss the latest hot topics, offering unique multicultural views. Through research, self-discovery, and stories, listeners just like you will decide for themselves which one is right. At the end of the day, what does it mean to be right in these unprecedented times? Hey, Kristen. How are you? Hey, friend. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. What has been going on in your world today? Well, I thought today we should talk about healthy relationships. It's something that is really important in my life at this very moment. And I thought, gee, if we could talk about what they are, what they represent, how you cultivate one, both with friends and family and spouses, that would be a good discussion today. You know that is what I live for. You know that is my brand. You know that is the thing I love to work on with clients. But I'm tired of hearing myself, so should we introduce our guests? I think we should. All right, Tina, welcome to One of Us is Right. Thank you for having me here, ladies. Oh, you're so very welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, my name is Tina Morales. I'm an associate professional counselor and master's level marriage and family therapist. Uh, I practice here in Marietta, Georgia. And my practice focuses and specializes on working with couples. So I really like to help couples just reignite hope in their relationship so that they can move from conflict to connection. I love that. I think you're the perfect person to have this conversation with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) So usually here on One of Us is Right, we take a stance. And it's usually me and Kristen taking opposite sides, figuring it all out with our guests But today, y'all, it is a historical moment because why is that, Kristen? Because we are on the same side, people. I mean, who doesn't want a healthy relationship? Yes, we are both pro-healthy relationships. We know that it takes work. We're not sure what that work looks like, Uh, but Tina's going to walk us through it. And so today, of all days, we are all on the same page. So shall we start there? What is a healthy relationship? First of all, I love that you guys are on the same page with this topic. <laughs> Makes life a little easier, I think. I hope we all get on the same page here. Um, but yeah, what is a healthy relationship? So I think this is a great topic to really try to figure out how do we define what this is. Now, if we're talking from the realm of romantic relationships, the one thing I would say makes a really healthy relationship that needs to be clear from the from the beginning mm-hmm. is that it's a mutually agreed upon 
partnership, right? So sometimes people are in situationships and they think, oh, things are good. You know, we're kind of just making things work. Um, but there has been a lack of communication about like, what is this? What are we? Where are we trying to go? Um, what is so it that I want or need? About like labels or like deeper than labels? I'm not saying so for when it comes to the conversation, I think it's important to identify, hey, what is it that I'm looking for in this relationship? And am I or have I had this conversation with someone? As well as if we have had this conversation, let's talk about what boundaries exist within that. So that's where we could say a label, right? Yeah. But with a label comes boundaries. And so we don't want to just assume that the label, what's the word? That the label means the boundary exists. We want to have a conversation about those boundaries. So if Kristen and I are in a long term romantic relationship, she's my girlfriend. I'm her girlfriend. We know that those are labels, but you're saying it's deeper than that. It's not just like, I'm saying I'm her girlfriend, but Kristen might be like, girlfriend is something different. Yes. I might say she's my only one. Kristen might be like, I got multiple. Right. So we want to get really clear about what that even means, right? So with any label comes some meaning, comes a story behind it. And that's influenced by our backgrounds. That's influenced by what we think something means. And so I think it's really clear that we have an open conversation about what it means for us to be in a relationship with each other. What does that mean for me and you? I think when I work with couples myself, I call that either marriage rules, relationship rules, expectations. Yeah. Because I work a lot, and I'm not sure, Tina, if you work with this population too, with um, consensual non-monogamous couples or throuples or multiples, right? And so even if I say, oh, non uh, consensual non-monogamous, we have to really get into what that looks like. What are the rules, expectations of such a relationship? Or even if it is a monogamous relationship, it's the same same principle. We have to get clear, like you're saying. Yes. I love it. Thousand percent agree with that. So I'm gonna jump in here for a second. (laughs) And bring bring the ride to a screeching halt. What if you have two people in a relationship or a situationship, and neither of them are great communicators. They know they love each other. They know they want to be together, but they're just not capable of talking to each other in a way that is helpful to the relationship, in a way that brings the relationship forward. You know, I laughed because I'm like, I think everybody's a bad communicator, but I digress. Tina, help us out. How yes. do you go through this? <laughs> uh, first of all, I think that's a great question. And there's a word in there that I really want to unpack. Right. So it's this the word of I'm not capable uh, or I'm not able. Right. So I think we sell ourselves short uh, in terms of what we're capable of doing. And it might just come from a lack of awareness. It might come from a lack of understanding of what that looks like or maybe even a lack of structure or exposure to what good communication can be and can look like. Right. So the first thing I would kind of jump in and say is if you think or if two partners think that they're bad communicators. Let's unpack that first. First of all, where is that coming from when we think, okay, I'm, I'm not a good communicator? Secondly, if you don't, this is a great place where therapy comes in or where education comes in or um, just different tools and resources. If you don't think that you have the skills, get the skills, mm-hmm. right? Communication is a skill that we can, uh, we can learn and we can grow in, right? So let's not sell ourselves short and say we're not capable. Let's just say, how do I need to learn how to communicate better? I love it. 
I think your point is well taken because there are all kinds of reasons why people don't communicate well. Um, and people bring a lot of stuff into the relationship that can hinder that. I think we have a question in that regards. And just in case people didn't uh, listen to the trigger warning earlier, we're about to talk about abusive relationships and trauma. So uh, please come back the next episode if this is triggering material for you. So one of the questions that Kristen and I came up together is like, how do you cultivate one of these uh, healthy relationships if there's historical like if there's a, excuse me, a relationship history that is filled with perhaps abuse, perhaps a certain trauma, perhaps something that makes it hard to be a communicator or hard to connect or, you know, all of it. How do you then walk through that together? I love this question. I love this question. If I could just jump in with one of the first, very first things I would say is how do you create a, or how do you cultivate a healthy relationship if we're have if we have a history of trauma or abuse. Yeah. One of the very first things I would say is one practice practice patience and compassion with yourself. Mm. That I think is so key. If you know how to practice patience and compassion with yourself, it exudes off of you, right? And you also teach someone how to be patient and compassionate with you. I just yeah. think that that's really important to recognize that if I want someone to be patient and compassionate with me, which would be involved in a healthy relationship, yes. how can I practice that with myself? Right. So don't rush the process. I'm going to swing on in as the couples and trauma therapist that I am and say, this is really hard work. So the first step is that like grace to be like, maybe I can't do this on my own. Maybe I need support by a professional because y'all, you know, I've said it once and I'm going to say it again. Therapy is the space to process any traumas, any history that interrupts your present or your future. And so if you can't do it on your own, because we cannot therapize ourselves, y'all, even myself, even Tina, with our background yes. and, the, and the tools and the tips and the ability to do it, we will never be able to therapize ourselves. And you can't either because you are right. a civilian, but also our brains don't allow us to. So if you need further support, individual therapy, couples therapy, that could be the space for you uh, if trauma seems to be um, very big and unmanageable. Okay. Just wanted to add that in there, y'all. You know, I love yeah. a good therapy plug. Yeah. I was going to say that for me was uh, going to be something else I added too. Like definitely go and get the support that you need uh, through counseling, through um, just really just getting that support. Go to an expert who knows what they're talking about and allows them to like, they can really help you through this process and create a safe space for you to what I like to say, like stumble in a safe place, like figure it out in a safe space. Um, so yes, I'm with you on that. Because whatever you learn on an individual, right, level, they can take with them to their relationships. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I know y'all, I'm acting like I don't know what I'm talking about, but like <laughs> for the ease of this interview, this is what stance I'm taking. I'm just going to ask a lot of questions. Go ahead. So Tina, um, as, as a non-therapist or counselor in the group, how do you feel about the concept or are you promoting the concept of if I work on myself through therapy or counseling that I will show up differently in the relationship and that could have an impact, a positive impact? Yeah. So I like that clarification. I do my best to refrain from like an if then, right? Uh -huh. Where it's like, if I do this, then this will become my result. Cause we know that healing is not linear and whatever work we do on ourselves 
is going to also be challenged in a relationship, right? Because now there's a whole other person involved. And so I do think that you do, when you do work on yourself, you are coming in from a different uh, viewpoint and with just a better skill set. That doesn't mean it's going to solve all your problems and there's not going to be conflict and you're not going to struggle in a relationship. What it does mean is that you have a firmer foundation to be able to say, I can navigate hard things in this because I've been able to navigate hard things with myself. Mm. Yeah, that's a great learning point for sure. You know what I heard from that was that healthy relationships don't just like happen. They're not just like, oh, you luck out with some family of origin that gives you the tips and tricks and role models to have healthy relationships. You live in a society that shows, you know, beautiful depictions. It's not about luck, but it's about having a healthy relationship with yourself first and foremost to then go on and cultivate a community of healthy relationships. Oh, for sure. I think with that, what I would say is, There's only so much healing that we can do in solitude, right? When we're on our own or when we're in singleness. And then there's another level of healing that we do in relationship, right? So one doesn't necessarily uh, fulfill the other. It's just different experiences of healing. So both are necessary. You sound like a marriage and family therapist, a systems thinker. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) So there are tons of books and articles and whatnot about doing the work before you, you know, get into the relationship or before you become married. What is the experience of the both of you in terms of people who actually do that? (laughs) I never met one, but, you know. Oof. <laughs> this is where this is where we would um insert the um ching sign because I'm sure both of you are just packed to the gills over the last couple months of clients. I mean, let's say like that would be ideal, right? If people really did a good amount of healing work on their own before they jumped into a relationship, that would be ideal. But again, I really want to just reiterate the fact that it doesn't um it doesn't mean that the relationship is going to be void of problems, right? So I think you can heal in relationships. I think a big part of it is also just recognizing, hey, how do I practice self-awareness and self-reflection and take ownership of what's mine to own when I am in a relationship? Sometimes when you're in a relationship, it's a lot easier to point the finger and say, the reason I'm experiencing this is because the other person that's in a relationship with me. Whereas when you're single, it's a lot harder to point the finger because it's just you. So I think it's important to just this idea of self-reflection, self-awareness, um, learning how to cope with difficulties better is still as key whether you are single or whether you're in a relationship. I think I found my opposite stance of the episode. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> and that Not is- that I don't believe everything you say. I'm, yes, 100%. Everything you say is truthful. My only caveat is because we talked about like self-help and finding clients that can do the work prior to entering into a relationship. I've never worked with somebody who's, quote, done the work because self-help only gets you so far unless you have a guiding hand. Because, again, our brains are programmed and wired to pretend that we're fine, that everything's fine. We love those old patterns. We love those old ways of being. We think everything's good until, like you said, Tina, we get into a relationship and it becomes a mirror because things just get kind of blown up a little bit, not necessarily in a bad way, but something that we have to be aware of and we become aware of. So self-help is great for like 
maybe like if we call it theory, right? Like, oh, I see what this author is telling me to do, or here are some examples of how to live life. I don't think without genuine like intervention by a trained professional that knows you, the person, because, you know, self-help is for all. Therapy is for like for the actual person in front of us, right? So without that kind of like deep, deep work, and it's hard work, it's not easy peasy lemon squeezy, it's kind of harder to get there. And I'm thinking of one particular case example that I have. Bless him. He came in being like, I've read all these self-help books, but I'm still in my same predicament. And I was like, yeah, bro, because like... (laughs) Yeah. A self-help book is for all, not for you or your particular case. So I do think, you know, relationships are the mirror. We love it. But also the articles online, the books, that's again, that's not specific enough because we all have our different experiences and relational needs that, you know, one article that was written by one person with a completely different lens is not going to get you the outcome that you might desire. Yeah. And so I would reiterate that. I don't think we, we have an opposing view there. I think that's actually right on, right on point. Okay, good. Um, Yay. Yeah. Cause, and when I say singleness, I don't mean, um, outside of relationship because we romantic relationships are not only the relationships we're involved in. We're in relationship with friends. We're in relationship with, um, coworkers. We're relationships with different, um, people in our world, our family, our family members. Right. So these are all different relationships that can reflect an aspect of us where, like Samantha is saying, we need someone to be able to, one, have the knowledge and the expertise to really get us to challenge, okay, how is this impacting me and how am I relating in these different relationships? What are my patterns? What are my go to's? Because just just if we all here on this podcast right now, the three of us are like, I have anxiety. My anxiety, Tina's anxiety, Kristen's anxiety could all manifest so differently and then come out in relationships so differently. So just because like a book is like, go take a walk. Well, we could be taking walks, but that doesn't mean it's going to help us in the way that the book told us it would. Exactly. So you're saying there's like different kinds of relationships, which uh, I'm, I love. (laughs) Obviously, you guys, the MFT and us is coming out strong today. If you ever wanted to know what a theoretical approach with working with an MFT is versus uh, anyone else, this is what it is. This is the episode in real time. Uh, Friendship. How does friendship factor into like healthy relationships? And like, we say that and most of us go to this romantic space, but how do we like, talk about friendship we have we've have a podcast episode about friendship but i'm just curious on your take on friendship familial relationships how do we get them healthy Ooh, that's a good question oh where do i start (laughs) i think with when it comes to friendship friendship is is key to recognize in terms of here's a relationship that i choose Mm. like this is literally a choice yeah Probably one of the first relationships that we choose, Greg, outside of our our family is kind of given to us. You mean like with siblings or cousins or something like that? So like parents, siblings, mm. family members, we didn't necessarily choose them. They That's just what we were born into. Gotcha. Friendships we're choosing. We say, hey, I see you. Hey, I, I like you. Hey, I want to be your friend. <laughs> Hopefully. That's kind of what Kristen and I did, right, girl? Like that. Yeah. You looked at me and you were like, and that's it. And I was like, it is, isn't it? And then, ta-da, here we are today. Right. It's a good point. <laughs> so I think what's interesting about friendships is 
this is where I think a lot of questions just kind of come in for me, where it's, what was it that attracted me to this person? What was it about their personality or what was it um, about what they like or don't like that I said, you know what, I want to, I want to be in a relationship with this person. Then the other piece of it that I'm thinking about is, am I friends with this person because they're comfortable and I feel safe? Or am I friends with this person because I love how they challenge me and how I get to grow? Or is it a combination of all of those things? Nice. I think it's it's really cool to recognize what is it, again, this is just all about self-reflection and, and self-awareness is what is it about this person and what is it that is attracting me to them? What is it that's motivating me to be in a relationship with them? And how am I learning or growing? And that right there is like foundational, even in romantic relationships. But when we're talking about just friendships, I think there's so much that we can learn Yeah, from that. Thinking about two of my friends, they're like my couple friends. And I'm like, the reason I like to hang out with them so much is because one, they know me, they've been around, but they challenge me in a way that doesn't make me feel small. It Mm. makes me feel empowered to do better. That's so good. Yeah. Shout out to Laniel. You know who you are. (laughs) That's awesome. They have a couple names. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They have a couple names. It's a couple names. They hate it, but we, me and my husband use it. So it's stuck. (laughs) They don't get a choice. I love that. I love that. But I, I think that what you just named too makes me think of when we have friendships with people, one, they do need to know a certain amount of information about us, yeah. right? So if we, I, I'm, I'm heavily in my couple's world, right? So I'm just going to make a lot of parallels here. Okay. But um, with friendships, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, I want to know you and I want to know what you think about things, what you like, what your needs are, what you desire, what your feelings are, all those things. And when we parallel that to a relationship, the Gottman method talks about we have to build love maps, which is really just about knowing your partner's inner world. What is it that they like? What is it that they're thinking about? What is it that they feel? What do they desire? Uh, What are their obstacles, right? So it's just about how do we know each other's inner world? And then the really interesting thing is how do I handle conflict with a friend? How do I navigate that? And then... What does that then, how does that translate over into romantic relationships or is it completely different, right? And then what is it about that that's initiating either the parallel or the difference? So again, I just think that any relationship you're in can become a really great uh, source of insight for you about yourself and how you relate. It's interesting. I'm going to use an example. Um, Some of you listeners will recall one of our episodes. We had many many technical difficulties. And I remember telling Kristen before we began, uh, I was going to say shooting, recording, um, that I was like, I'm mad. I'm mad. And I, I wanted her to know that I was very angry, but I was not mad at her. I was just mm. like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I hate technology. Well, I love technology. Hey, shout out to technology. But also I was like, oh, why isn't it working? And I think like old me would have just been like suffering in silence and maybe given her like bad cues, like cues that may have come across as confusing. But I feel like, cause Kristen makes me feel safe. I could be like, I'm mad. And she's like, yeah, it sucks. Let's get through this together. So thank you. Yes. Well, I think, um, I think it's when you're friends and when you're close enough, you don't have to like do a dance, you know, a, a dance and dance around what the, what your friend is telling you and mm-hmm. ignore the, the elephant in the room. 
I feel like at this point I can say to you, all right, let's just calm down. Let's just, let's just keep moving forward and we'll we'll test it later or whatever. Yep. But it's an evolution. And for some people, you never get there in your friend, in that friendship. You know, there's those people who, for example, over the last couple of years realized that their friends may have certain affiliations that they would never affiliate with. Um, shout out to politics. Um, you know, <laughs> they've known each other for years. And now yeah. it's like, I don't think I can be friends with you anymore. And but the thing is like, how deep were y'all to begin with? So mm. Ooh. There's two things that I, I wanna kind of um unpack about this because I think it's really it's really, really just helpful for someone to reflect on this piece. So one piece is if I have a conflict with a friend and I'm not willing to bring it up, or if I'm struggling with figuring out how do I say this, I think a real good question to ask yourself is, you know, what am I afraid of? Right. right? Like what's, what's the fear? I think we're, we can be motivated by many things and fear is one of them. Anytime we feel stuck, I really think that that's like my first question. What's the fear? What am I afraid of either losing? What am I afraid is going to happen? What am I afraid of in terms of how someone might view me? Like just what's the fear? Mm-hmm. The second piece, and this is what – oh, no, there's a third piece. Sorry, my mind is kind of going. No, I love so, it. Add them on. We need to uh, know. We need to learn. The, another piece I'm thinking is that any relationship is not kind of just like set at one point in time. It evolves and it grows over time. Right. And that is all based off of how willing am I to allow this relationship to evolve and grow? If I expect my friend from ninth grade to be the same person that she was in ninth grade that we are now at 30 years old, then I'm not willing to let that relationship evolve and grow. Right. And there needs to be there needs to be a level of flexibility with friendships because we all change and grow, hopefully, over time. The other piece of that is. What is it that's so important in terms of what needs to be agreed upon in our relationship? And where do we have disagreements where we can still allow a friendship to exist? Because I do think that we live in a cancel culture world that says, Mm -hmm. if you don't agree with me on this thing, I'm Xing you out. And I think that does such a disservice to us as human beings who are so complex and we have so many different things that influence us that I think it's so important to recognize what is kind of like a non-negotiable in terms of my in terms of my friendships but what is something where i can how can i learn to be in relationship where i don't agree on everything i think that's really key to learning how to evolve and grow i kind of like that i don't maybe come from the same background or viewpoint of some of my friends now there are some non-negotiables y'all i don't think Tina right. was saying you know put yourself in dangerous situations, not only physically, but emotionally and in regards to your mental health. But I do think you can learn so much from somebody that you can maybe bounce ideas off of that might not align with yours. Again, not saying put yourself in dangerous situations. That is not what we're advocating at all, y'all. But I think it's special. And you're right. We are getting away from that, which I think is, is a shame as well then we're missing that piece to grow and learn and explore ourselves in a different view. So what, Tina, what do you think about the concept of like Samantha, you know, is mentioning two people who are in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or, you know, a marital situation, what, what have you, 
and they just agree not to talk about certain topics because it brings, you know, drama and angst to the relationship? Mm, great question. Um, okay. I'm going to figure out where to start here because I think this is a seriously a phenomenal question. One thing I would say uh, I would start with is with any relationship, I want to reiterate what Samantha said. We don't want to put ourselves in danger, in physical danger, um, where it's truly unsafe. That right there is like a boundary, a non-negotiable, like we need to make sure that safety is a part of this relationship. At the same time, recognizing that in relationships, we take risks, right? So there are no guarantees that we can say, this relationship, I'm never going to feel uncomfortable. I'm never going to feel challenged. I'm never going to feel whatever it is, right? So we have to recognize that we can take, one, there is a risk. Two, this is the part where I think it's important, again, about doing your own work is Again, don't sell yourself short. Recognize what, one, what sorts of risks you can take and overcome, right? Because that's where anxiety can show up and say, hey, you don't have the skills and ability to navigate this risk. So you need to make sure that you're getting away from it altogether. If it's a true danger, that is, that's valid. If it's more of like an anxiety thing that's saying, I'm scared. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I have the the capability. This is where I would say, grow that muscle and say, can I take small risks in this relationship? Because I think that's really important just to our own growth. The second piece about that, when it comes to types of problems um, where two couples say, you know what, we're just going to agree to not talk about this. I think and this is going to be my, my opinion, right? So there, there are, um, I am trained in levels one and two of Gottman Methods Couple Therapy. So this is a part of what's coming from that. There are two types of problems that he talks about. We have solvable problems, which are the problems we can literally say, okay, I can't stand that you don't take the trash out. Can we talk about how, figuring out how to solve this problem? Can you take it out once every Friday or once every two days? Whatever. That's a solvable problem. But then there are those perpetual problems, those bigger problems that have deeper roots, that have uh, more complex systems involved. The key there is to not get stuck and separate by not having the conversation. This is mm-hmm. where understanding, curiosity, compassion, uh, compromise are really, really key in relationships. How do we continue to have this conversation and how do I come into it with an open mind? How do I come into it curious to see it from my partner's perspective? Doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but how can I figure out how to validate it from their perspective. That right there, I think is key is like, don't stop having the conversation, continue to have the conversation with more curiosity, build that muscle. Ooh, I love that embracing curiosity. That is one of my taglines in therapy. I love it. It's so powerful. Yes. So I'm a coach and one of the big things, and I'm sure this is a big thing in your practice is the, the concept of listening. Can you talk about listening and what role that plays in maintaining the healthy relationship. So good. I'm sure everyone's heard we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I've never Uh, heard of that, but I like it. I'm going to steal that. No. Okay. Um, We want to listen more than we speak. Right. So really, really step into 
Curiosity is probably one of my number one things that I teach all my couples or just people I'm working with. How to remain curious, right? So listening is important. The thing that's really important about listening as well is listening without the filter of my experience, which is really, really hard, Mm. right? Because everything is going to go through the filter of my experience. One way to kind of navigate, hey, I know I have a filter. I know I'm seeing this through my experience. How do I practice just soothing myself when I'm hearing my partner share a perspective that's different from mine? Mm. And how do I listen? And mind you, there's a very basic skill in terms of how I can practice listening. I have to pretend, kind of like what Samantha said earlier, let me just pretend I'm a mirror and not a warped mirror like in a like in a scary clown <laughs> A haunted house. <laughs> it's scary for me. Fun house. <laughs> right. Like those fun house mirrors. They're like, they mess with your Thank brain. you. Right. They're distorted. It becomes a distorted image of what I, what I just shared. So I want to be a mirror that's not distorted when my partner is talking to me or when someone else is talking to me. So one way of doing that is sharing with whoever's speaking to you, hey, this is what I'm hearing you say. Is that accurate? Check in and don't make an assumption. Ask clarifying questions. This is what I heard you say about X, Y, and Z. Is that accurate? Let me get this right. Are you saying that you want X, Y, or Z? Right? Just really be open to asking clarifying questions and then say, okay, this is what I'm hearing you saying that you feel about something. This is what I'm hearing you say you wanted. Is that correct? I always think at the end of all your reflections, asking, is that correct? Or did I get it? Is there something I'm missing? That's how we practice. That's such a therapist thing. And and listeners of this podcast will be like chuckling to themselves. I just know it because they're like, man, Samantha says that all the time when she like talks to her guests. This is what I'm hearing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's super powerful because I'm going to get it wrong. Everybody's going to get it wrong. Clarify that shit before you like get yourself in hot water. (laughs) You don't want that. That's not what we're here for. And at the end of the day, we want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. Yes. So what are some signs? How would we know that we are in a healthy relationship? Ooh, there's a lot of signs. Uh- <laughs> Your, let's say, top three signs. And also, is healthy relevant? Wait, is that the right Ooh. word? Ooh. Yeah, is re- sorry. Is healthy relative? relative. Yes. <laughs> is it relative? <laughs> I was like, and that's how she's, she blows up this entire episode. Guys, we were just kidding. We don't believe in it. Yes. Being healthy is relevant. Thank you. This is why you're listening to the podcast. That is great. Oh, man. Um, oh, that's such a good question. Uh, it is relevant, for sure. Uh, what I would say, some signs that something is healthy. One, I would say there's a good balance of, I want to be with you and I want to spend time with you. And I want to be with myself or with my friends and I can spend time with them too, right? So there's a healthy level of like togetherness, but there's also a healthy level of separateness. Nice. That I would say is, is one good sign. Another one I would say is like trust and, trust and commitment. Mm-hmm. One way that I would say to kind of pinpoint that or a way to know if you are trusting someone or if you can commit to this is a lot of times people say actions speak louder than words. 
I like to say that actions and words need to match up. Yes. That there isn't necessarily like one over the other. Yes. Because you could be buying me flowers and I might think that means one thing. Um, But really, if you're not lining that up with your words and what you're like, if your words and your actions aren't matching, then there's a discrepancy here. So I'm big on saying, make sure that words and actions line up. A third piece I would say is when we're thinking about what a healthy relationship is, I think a lot of times we're looking for what the other person is presenting us with. And I think to know that if we're in a healthy relationship is to also be able to look at ourselves. Am I healthy in this relationship? And one way to kind of acknowledge that is saying, am I willing to share my thoughts, my feelings, and my needs? If I'm not, what is it that's stopping me? Yeah. Right? Is there maybe more work that I need to do with a therapist for myself? Is it something that my partner is presenting me with that I feel uncomfortable sharing my thoughts, feelings, or needs? But I think it's really important to recognize how am I healthy in this relationship? Because again, we need to be able to take ownership of our power in relationships and not just looking at, well, this other person is either healthy or unhealthy. I need us to be able to look at us too. I'm going to add three. Nobody asked me, but I'm going to do it. Uh, Respect. Because I feel like if you don't respect somebody, you see them in a different light and it doesn't help any kind of healthy relationship. Safety. So not only physical safety, but emotional, mental safety, where you're just like, I can be myself. This person will support me. I will support them. There's that that element of like, okay, they got my back. And then humor, because I was thinking, I was like, well, am I going to add that? Yeah, I am, because I love to laugh. And I think humor is a sign of respect and safety in a really cute package. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We have to have fun in relationships, a balance of safety and adventure. Yes. What about you, Kristen? What would you add? Would you add anything? Well, you know me. I had another question. Oh! <laughs> I will say all that Tina said. Um, <laughs> um, so my question is, this is for both of you. Do either of you see any correlation between the quest to be in a healthy relationship and age? So do you, are you seeing a lot of younger clients who want healthy relationships as well as older clients? Or is it a mix. We, we've been talking a lot on the pod about, you know, what you learn about what you know about yourself and what you learn when you're younger versus older. So is there any correlation that you guys see about the quest for the healthy relationship in terms of age? So I'm going to say yes. I would say when I started out on my career, I worked with more older adults than not, but they still wanted a healthy relationship because they had experienced throughout their lives unhealthiness because of trauma, because of other factors. And now I work with a lot of people around my age. So my age range right now is like 21 to almost 60. And everybody across the board would love to know more about healthy relationships with themselves and others. I want to say because of the pandemic, people did some introspective work and they looked around and went, yikes. And now more than ever before people are are hell-bent in the best possible way to getting the life and the relationships that they've always wanted now granted my little brand my brand and my practice really does push heavily on relationships with self and others so i kind of that's 
that's what I do day in and day out. So if y'all were wondering, why is Samantha being so quiet on this this episode? Because I am not the guest. You're going to have another point of view. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've seen. I love it. I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to the future, even though it's a little bleak out here. I'm really excited to see what happens uh, with the inner workings of, of community and relationships. Yeah. I, just to add on to that, I don't, for me, I don't know if I would correlate it with age. I think I would correlate like the quest of healthy relationships with the uh, experience of brokenness. Mm, so I think a lot of times and that can come at any age yeah and so that's where I think I would kind of correlate this quest for healthy relationships after experiencing what it is to be in a place of brokenness whether that's a brokenness within yourself a brokenness within relationships um but I do think the quest comes from an experience of brokenness so (laughs) this is not something to laugh at but I've hear a hashtag like hashtag broke at any age like that's just <laughs> oh my God. you want to add that to an Instagram post that where you talk about brokenness you know you can be broken any age I can't breathe <laughs> uh brokenness with insight because right. sometimes I think we look for I think we just look for relationships thinking that'll heal things Oop. and we'll say it again for the people in the back that- <laughs> I don't think that relationships are going to be the thing that heals it. I think the health is important to look at, too. That health relationship with yourself and with other people. Yes. Um, I, I'm, this, this may not come out right. So, I mean, we may need to scratch it, but I got married at 45. And um, I sometimes miss the singlehood and the singledom. And it's, it's, it's real, you know? That is Me, myself, and I is... I am the first person to say I am still the most shocked that I'm married. Okay? I was never looking for that at all in any way, shape, or form. So I think it's perfectly natural to think about being single or thinking about being in a different position. It's If it's distressing you, then we need to find a professional and work that out and let our partners know and clue them in. Yeah. But if it's just a thought, like what's wrong with a daydream? What's wrong what's wrong with a thought? You don't have to act on it. Yeah, and I I think we're also people who want what we don't have. Yeah. Right? Like we're big on like when I'm on vacation, I'm like I can't wait to get back home, but then when I get back home, I feel like I need a vacation. Right? Like we're we're just big on not being in our present moment. And I think that in and of itself is a practice and to have thoughts like Hey, I miss this, or I wish I had this. That's a, I think that's perfectly normal. Do you miss your whole day? Did you have a whole day? <laughs> Ooh, that may be another topic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, do you have any more questions, Kristen? No, I think I'm good. This is this is really fun. This was really great. You guys, I'm going to have a shameless plug for a hot second, but it's my podcast, so I can do that. If you are looking to explore what healthy relationships are, please follow me on Instagram at The Sci-Fi Therapist. And if you would like a more fictionalized view of what I look for in healthy relationships and what I advocate as a mental health professional, pick up the Starless series because the Starless series really does examine all kinds of healthy relationships, what it means to be human, and all that wonderful consent-filled sex goodness. So, available where all books are sold. 
Love it. <laughs> Tina, where can we find you to connect with you? Sure. Yeah. So you'll probably find me most active on Instagram. So my Instagram is living in light LLC. I have a website as well. Same thing, living in light LLC.com. Um, but if you want to just learn more about healthy relationships, that's also what I do. Um, I'm, I'm big on helping people learn how to have healthy relationships with themselves and with others. I also integrate that with Christian faith. So if you're interested about what that looks like and how you can integrate that too, feel free to check it out. We love it. Thank you so much for coming and helping us out. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This was a great conversation. So everybody follow Tina on Instagram. Kristen, this was so fun. This was so fun. As always. Today, we didn't have a side. We were all right. Both of us are right. (laughs) Both of us. You'll never see this again. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Like, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by two gals who want to change the world. It is produced by Jason Billups from Eargasm. Find One of Us is Right all over the internet, wherever you hang out at One of Us is Right pod. See you there.